What would you do if you bought a new house, but in addition to the three bedrooms and two bathrooms, you found out this home also had one black hole? And then we traveled to Texas to take a look at the story of two brothers standing outside looking up at the night sky. When a golden light appears, they believe that they've just seen their first UFO. Little do they know they're about to be abducted and treated to horrific experimentations that may have a link to one of America's worst serial killers. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Gardner. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, so first off, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Everyone, get on your feet and give it up for Sovereign. Woohoo, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah, come on in, Sovereign. Walk on in to Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Sovereign is being profiled today because he shared his Spotify wrapped. He shared online, uh, you guys should think of this months ago, I know, I don't know if I'll be able to do this again, it takes forever to get through this list, but I really do appreciate you guys. Sovereign, like so many others, shared on his social media how much he loved Dead Rabbit Radio by posting a Spotify wrapped, which shows how many minutes he listened to Dead Rabbit Radio last year. So I really do appreciate it. I know it's a long list, but it's definitely been worth it. For getting the word out, because I always say that if you guys can't support the show financially, Sovereign does. He's also a Patreon supporter. But if you guys can't, spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. That also has helped the show grow by leaps and bounds. So I appreciate both of those. They're tremendous helps. Sovereign, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the bunny boat. Is that a thing? Oh, we have the rabbit rowboat. <laughs> I just came back from break. Maybe we'll upgrade it. Hey, um, Sovereign, I'm going to toss you the keys to the bunny boat. Everyone hop on board. It's a little steamship. It's like something from Steamboat Willie, which I can use now because it's copyright free. Everyone climb on board. <laughs> climb on board Mickey Mouse's boat. Now we're going to hang out with Mickey Mouse. Everyone climb on this copyright free version of Mickey Mouse's Steamboat Willie boat. Sovereign steamboat us all the way out to Bangkok. <laughs> Jason, wow, don't ever do that sound effect again. We were like, ah. I'll try to make that in stereo to really throw you off. We're headed all the way off in Steamboat Willie's Rabbit Road. Whatever. We're headed out to Bangkok. Thailand is where we're going. Uh, Bangkok specifically. We're headed all the way off to Bangkok, and we get there, and we're just kind of walking around the city. I have, like, this big map, big paper map, and I'm, like, folding it, and I'm, like, trying to figure stuff out. And you're like, dude, uh, what are you looking for? And I go, I'm looking for a house, a very specific house I've seen online. We're just going to kind of bumble around. How big is Bangkok? Can't be that big. We're walking around, and then eventually I go, there it is! And I point, and you see a house... With a red roof and a white sliding gate. Looks pretty dope. But it also looks just like any other house all around the world. I don't, I don't know many houses that have such high spiky gates outside of the White House. The one in the 
Washington, D.C. area. But this one, it's pretty cool. I like high fences. I like people not being able to see what I'm doing or see where I'm at or see that I even have a house. I would prefer a house that could pop in and out of existence, a quantum house. We're standing outside this house and I go, guys, this house is for sale. Apparently, someone has posted this house for sale on the Facebook group, Secondhand Houses with Good Deals in Bangkok. So we walk in, and the realtor's there, and he's like, hey guys, come on in. We're all climbing over the fence, climbing over the fence like World War Z. We're all cut up. He's like, you guys could open the doors open. The gate was open. I don't know why you guys scrambled over each other. Quite horrific. The realtor goes, let me show you guys around this secondhand house. It's a weird term for it. But anyways, we're walking around. And the realtor goes, okay, so this house, we're going to just drop the money because you guys, you guys look a little bummy. You are covered in blood. Your clothes are all raggy. Um, so I'm just going to tell you right now, you may not be able to afford this. He looks at us and says, this house is worth 33.3 million bots, which is the currency over there. That's about 900,000 in cash nine hundred thousand dollars roughly in u.s dollars and we're like oh, okay you know yeah <laughs> we're looking at each other we're like no can't afford it he, he goes but if you guys can't afford that you can rent it for nine thousand dollars a month just show us around realtor just show us around so we walk into this house and the realtor dude is like okay so this is a three-bedroom house two bathrooms two living rooms which is pretty dope I've never heard of that before. I've heard of like a living room and a dining room. Two different living rooms. And we're like, oh yeah, it's pretty awesome. So three bedrooms, two baths, two living rooms, and one black hole. We're like, what? He goes, yeah, this house has its own black hole. But it's not a gravitational type of black hole like the ones nerds like. It's not like... He goes, it's not that kind of black hole. Apparently... The guy who currently owns this house, who is selling this, this is a real listing on secondhand houses with good deals in Bangkok. We have this house here. It has a black hole. The guy who's selling it, the none of the articles named him. We'll call him Clark. Clark says, I've lived here for 30 years in this house, and as far as I know, no one has ever died in the house. So I don't think it's haunted, per se. I don't think there's an actual ghost here. However, this house does have uh, a black hole. He said the way it works out is that if you're sleeping in the leftmost bedroom of the house, and if you wake up naturally at 3 a.m., it won't work if you set an alarm clock. It has to be a natural awakening. If you wake up naturally at 3 in the morning, the bedroom will change. The bedroom you're in will change. And, and, and I know this is an issue where we're having Thai, the language of Thailand, translated into english there's going to be some issues and you know this was covered in asian news sources and then and then it's been translated to english over here but he said so there, there i'm a little curious about the the direct translation here he goes if you wake up at 3 a.m in the leftmost bedroom and you do it just just naturally he goes quote the conditions in the bedroom will change which, yes, that would include a black hole. That would include a giant portal to the nether. That's a condition that would change. But he also said this very curious. He said at one point he woke up at 3 a.m. and he saw a picture from his childhood 
a location he visited decades ago as a kid, he said he saw a picture of him at that location. So I don't know if he woke up and he saw a framed photo of him, like, smiling next to, you know, like, a beautiful woman in an airport. Like, it took his memory and put it, took his memory, printed it out at Kinko's, went to Walmart, got a frame, and then brought it to him. If he saw a picture, or if he just saw that, like, he woke up and he saw it, like, floating, not frame, but just, like, the image of it. I don't know. It would be bizarre either way. So what? No frame? Oh, man. Nope. This vision from my past is floating in front of me. Oh, man. But it's not 8 by 10 Boo. He says the conditions will change. This black hole opens up. If you do go to the black hole, he goes, first off, this thing is really the definition of a black hole. He goes, the lights are off. This has happened to him multiple times over the past 30 years. The lights are all off. The room's dark. He goes, but the hole is so black, you can perfectly see it in a dark room. It's blacker than black. It's darker than dark. So... He said if you go to it and you touch this black hole, probably not probably not something you would do the first night it appeared, but definitely eventually you're going to get more curious. He goes, if you touch the black hole, you'll find yourself filled up with this strange energy. And he he it's interesting because he's done multiple experiments on this. Of course, he's been there for 30 years. He goes, my theory is that di- when different people touch it, they would be filled with different energy. But it would be just a theory. He's never said anyone else has touched it. At least he's never admitted to it. I think just the setup is hard. Let's say your buddy said, hey, man, there's a black hole in my house. You want to see? And you're like, yes, sure. I will go home right now. I will quit my job to go see your black hole. Um, But the setup, you have to naturally wake up at 3 a.m. Even if he had people over there to check this out. They may or may not see it. They may have to stay there for, you know, a couple weeks before you naturally wake up at 3 a.m. How often do you do it? And you can't, like, stay up till 3 a.m. You can't set an alarm. You can't do any sort of tricks. You have to just naturally wake up and you'll see this. So he doesn't say that other people have interacted with it. But his theory is that if other people do come near it and touch it, he's trying to sell the house. So he isn't blind that you, at some point, live there long enough. You will see this. He goes... I get filled with a strange energy. <laughs> Your mileage may vary. I'm not going to say what's going to happen to you if you touch this portal that spans universes. It could blow your brains out. It could give you the powers of a god. Yeah, and it's somewhere in between. It'll either kill you or empower you. It just gives him strange, strange feeling, strange energy. He said... He does that if he gets up and he touches that black hole. And then he goes and touches the pillars of the house. Which, again, I think there's some translation stuff here. There might actually be pillars in there. He might be talking about, like, the corner of the house. But he goes, anyways, you touch this black hole and then you touch the pillars of the house. You can see images of your past. Which is where I think he's getting the the other story coming from. But just the, the language was kind of chopped up in this article I was reading. He goes, you can see images from your past. Things that you had done. Memories that he had forgotten. And he could even hear sounds playing from his past. The memories that you thought were forgotten would definitely be interesting. If I, like, went to Dairy Queen last week, I'm not going to touch a black hole just to find out what I ordered. I was like, did I get the chicken strip basket or a blizzard? I would just be like, I'm fine not remembering that. 
But it would be interesting. Imagine you touched that and you remembered something that you've totally forgot happened. You could argue that it's creating a false memory. Because if you're like, I don't remember that. I don't remember ever doing that takeover robbery of that 7-Eleven. Hmm, that's weird. You're watching yourself being like, get on the ground, get on the ground. You shoot three people and then you leave before the cops show up. Imagine if you were confronted with a memory like that. That would suck. <laughs> You'd be like, oh no, I'm responsible for three murders? What evidence did I leave with that 7-Eleven? He said, do not jump into this black hole. He goes, I never have... I don't think it's a black hole. He goes, I don't know where it will lead. I don't know if you can come back. He's never tested that part of it. He's probably throwing stuff in the black hole. I think it wouldn't... That would not stretch the imagination. If you had a black hole in your bedroom, you would be buying stuff to throw in there. Like, I'd be throwing, like, a... Throw a basketball in there. See if someone throws it back at you. Um, Then maybe some meat. (laughs) Your house starts to smell like rotting meat. You're like, oh, okay. The black hole leads into the drywall of this house. There's two pounds of hamburger meat that have been festering for weeks. I'm sure he's throwing stuff in there. Video camera on a string. But he says, don't go in it. Don't go in it. His theory is that it leads to another dimension. It doesn't really go on. The articles that I read don't really go on why he thinks that. It's probably a pretty valid theory, though. He says, uh, don't go into it. He also says, if you stay in the leftmost bedroom and even when the black hole is not there, you just sit and meditate, you will, sans black hole, you don't have to do this at three in the morning. If you sit there and you meditate, you'll feel yourself filled up with these strange energies, but they're not welcoming. He said, while he was meditating, he would feel his body temperature going up. He would really start to heat up and it felt like his soul was being sucked out of his body. And he stopped doing that. It's probably probably pretty good, right? You're like, ah, you know what? Uh, I probably shouldn't meditate in this room. I might actually lose what makes me human. He goes, eventually I stopped doing that. I was afraid my soul was just going to disappear. Now, because he sleeps in the leftmost bedroom, even if he doesn't wake up to see the black hole, he said that he will, and he believes that you might have this as well if you buy this house or rent it for $9,000 a month. He says he would... Have dreams of the future. So not only can you see into the past, he can see the future. And he goes up to and including winning lottery numbers. But he makes no guarantee of that. He makes no guarantee that. He said, I believe that only people of merit can have visions of the future. So if you're buying this house to get lottery tickets... You better be a good dude because you might get, I mean, no, no lottery tickets in your head. And people online who've talked about the story, they're like, well, well that's fake because uh, why would he ever move? Why didn't he just stay there and get lottery ticket numbers all the time? I think it's kind of implied that he has. I think it's kind of implied that he's like, yeah, I don't really need the money. I don't need $9,000 a month because I'm sitting on a ton of lottery money. Um, I'm not worried about cash flow right now, but he does want to find some place. Oh, probably won enough lottery money to move somewhere else. He goes, the dreams can also warn you of tragedy, which I think is a double-edged sword. I think that it would be nice to see the good future 
But imagine if you, the first couple times you had a vision of the future, you would just dismiss it as a crazy dream. You have a dream about a lottery ticket and it's very clear what the numbers are. And then you see that those are the winning numbers. You're okay, I remember that next time I have a lottery dream. But imagine you saw a dream of a loved one being involved in a horrific wheat thresher accident, right? Your girl is running down the street and she's like, Johnny, Johnny. I just, I just got this winning lottery ticket. We're millionaires. And out of nowhere, a wheat thresher is coming down the street as well and runs her over. And you just see blood and bone and muscle and a tattered lottery ticket getting ripped to shreds. You're like, no! And just, just splattered everywhere. Just gore across the street. And you wake up and you're like, oh my God, that was a horrific dream. But... Just a dream. And then one day you get a text from your girl. You're at work. And she says, meet me at the town square. We just won the lottery. And then you're rushing there. <laughs> you work at a farm. You're all driving your wheat thresher. You're like, I got to get there. I got to get there. And then you see your girl and you jump off the wheat thresher and run to embrace her. And then you go, wait, no, no. She gets all ground up. Imagine being able to see tragedy, but learning that you're not able to stop it. It would be cool if you could see the future and stop it, but what if it was one of those things like you are going to see dreams of people you love dying, or even just random people dying, because that's horrific enough, and then there's nothing you can do to stop it. Anything you do to intervene, it just makes it happen anyways. I would move <laughs> I would move out of the house. If I could stop the tragedy, I'd feel it was my duty to stay at that house. But if I knew, even if I knew the tragedy, there was zero chance of me stopping it, I'd move too. I'd get a couple, I'd get a couple more lottery tickets and then I'd move to another house. So yeah, that would be really interesting. I've talked about this before on the show. It's one of my personal conspiracy theories. The house, if this, if this post, if this is a real post, right? He's trying to sell this house and he's posting all this stuff. If this stuff is even half true, the military, the government would want access to this house. I do believe that there is a effort of world governments and very, very powerful, rich and powerful collectors of these items who would want this stuff. And most people who engage in paranormal don't know that these people exist. This is I because the military spends so much time gathering UFO technology. It's a good segue in our next story, but gathering UFO technology, I believe, and we're, we're pretty aware of that, whether they think it's a UFO from another planet or it's some exotic technology from another country, they'll go out of their way to investigate these stories. You know, people have UFO sightings, the next thing you know, the feds are knocking on your door, or even worse, the men in black. I do believe that that exists but i also believe that uh, the government do it for supernatural things as well because most governments are run by people who are religious you have a huge faction in the u.s government right now the collins elite we did an episode on them a long time ago who believe that aliens are demons and that is really stymieing a lot of public disclosure about aliens on earth and I, I think most governments are run by vast swaths of people who are religious. So if you knew, 
if you were a government agent and you found out about this haunted doll running around Indiana, as ridiculous as it sounds, you would want to find out if that was true. And then you would want the access to the doll. The government would come in and they'd take the real doll and replace it with some dumb raggedy Andy doll. The government has the real Annabelle. And they're like sending her on secret missions into Iran. Because who would ever suspect a doll running around one of their nuclear... Have they announced yet that they have nuclear missiles? I think it's pretty clear at this point. Iran is a nuclear-capable country. But you have this little doll running around a missile silo. And it's all... And the alarm's going off, and they're looking for a bunch of U.S. soldiers inside this missile silo. You would never suspect the Raggedy Ann doll, possessed by a deep, old horror, is really responsible <laughs> taking photographs of your missiles and, like, swallowing the film roll. Sliding the SD card underneath one of her button eyes and then running out. Um... It's a fun post. If this guy's telling the truth, it's absolutely a powerful place. People will probably laugh it off, but somewhere in the world, there is a very rich and powerful collector of these paranormal items or a government that says we need access to that house. Because I'm sure 99% of the stuff, just like UFOs, 99% of the stuff they investigate is fake. But enough of it is real for them to actually send people out. It would be foolish for a U.S. government to say, hey, look at this piece of garbage sitting on the side of the road. Maybe this came from a UFO. It's this weird metal. We don't know what it is. It's the Beth Sphere or whatever. We don't know what this is. And then across town, <laughs> across town, there's this kid hovering around the living room going, God is dead, and running up the wall and then being like, oh, we're not even going to cross the street to investigate that. They see eldritch horrors crawling out of the garage down the street. They're like, ah, whatever. I'm sure they investigate both. Sovereign, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Thailand. Fly us all the way out to Texas. We're headed all the way out to Texas. Specifically, we're headed to LaPorte, Texas. It's a clear night. The year is 1986. And I got to give a shout out to the amazing website Phantoms and Monsters run by Lon Strickler. That is where I found this story. Very, very interesting story that has a diabolical twist. 1986, we're in LaPorte, Texas. Meet these two brothers. We'll go ahead and call the younger one Michael, who is the one who posted this story, who's telling the story all these decades later. And his older brother, we'll call him Scott. And Scott is 14 years old. We don't have an exact age for Michael, but Scott is the older brother. One night, they're walking home from Grandma's house. It's a beautiful night out. And when they get to their house, Scott goes, Hey, Michael, look up. Look at look those beautiful stars. And Michael's like, Wowee, they sure are cool. And he's like, Yeah, you know, that one over there, that's what they call the Big Dipper. Whoa. That one right there is Orion's Belt. Wow, that's amazing. They're just, you know, being brothers, staying out. The house that they're headed towards, their house, has a large grassy field. And then in the back, their uncle has an RV where he's currently staying. If you're going to be safe anywhere, it should be in your own property. Your family's just a quick hauler away. And these boys don't feel threatened at all. They're just standing out looking at the stars. When all of a sudden they see a golden light begin to fly towards them. 
It's coming from the south and it's flying across the night sky. Michael thinks it's an airplane. It's just an airplane flying. But he realizes that it's making no noise. And Scott realizes that as well. As this golden light is flying closer and closer to him, he realizes this isn't an airplane. It's most likely a UFO. And he says, oh, wow. They are real. With a boyish grin. You know, it would be pretty dope to see that there's a UFO in the sky. Now, Michael's starting to get scared. This UFO is still approaching them, and he's starting to get really worried about what could happen. And he is grabbing Scott's arm. Come on, let's go inside, man. I don't like this. Let's come inside. Scott's like, no, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay, Mikey. And Michael has this intrinsic trust that a younger brother has and an older sibling. He goes, well, if Scott's not scared, like, maybe I shouldn't be scared either. (laughs) I am quite terrified because, yes, the only thing that could be is a UFO. But my brother is telling me to stay strong and not to be scared. Michael ends up kind of stepping behind Scott. But he stays out there with him. He's kind of just crouched down behind his big brother and the yellow light flies past them just shortly though flies shortly past them and then begins to descend right in front of the uncle's rv it ends up coming all the way down to just a couple feet off the ground and is hovering there and that's when michael and scott get a good look at this thing michael describes it as a large black pyramid without the top And there's windows along the sides of it. It's hovering a few feet off the ground, and they can see a greenish-blue light illuminating the base of the pyramid. It's like, remember when we used to have cars and we would put those dope... This was the best car trend ever, this and spinners, spinner rims. But anyways, we used to have these cars that would have neon lights underneath the bottom of them, so they would glow when you were driving, it was like living in Tron, living in Tron world. I'm bringing that back. But anyways, that's what this UFO had. It looked like <laughs> looked like a Honda CRX from 1999. A door unfolds out of one of the sides of the topless pyramid. And an entity steps out with an odd-shaped head almond eyes that were pitch black like true darkness is how michael described them pitch black almond eyes with two little slits where human's nostrils would be a small slit for a mouth standard gray alien facial features however while gray aliens were usually around four to five feet tall this figure was six to seven feet tall Way taller than almost every gray alien sighting. And easily dwarfing the two boys. This entity walks out and Michael begins to hear murmuring all around him. He said it sounded like a multitude of voices all talking at the same time. And it was very soothing. This alien walks closer and closer towards Michael and Scott. 
And while the two boys were just kind of standing there, lulled into this sense of calmness, the alien reached out and in one of his hands takes Michael's hand and in the other hand takes Scott's hand. And they begin to travel towards the landed craft. Now, Michael said the hand, it had three fingers. This was a three-fingered alien, which, again, is pretty typical for a gray alien. He said the touch of its skin was cold and rubbery, something he would describe as equal to frog skin. Very typical gray alien. He goes, we didn't walk towards the craft, though. I actually felt myself floating towards the vehicle. We all traveled in a group until we were eventually brought on board this craft. Once we were on board, I saw that there were three other similar aliens in this vehicle. And myself and Scott were taken to tables where we were then undressed. These cold, rubbery alien fingers begin taking our clothes off. Now it's gotten real. Right? I mean, now the sense of calmness is leaving the boys. They realize they are not safe where they are at. They don't have their parents or their uncle that they can yell to. They have found themselves in a situation. And things are getting really bad really quickly. Michael starts screaming out loud, Scott! Scott! Help me! Scott! Scott! And Scott is on the other side of the room, and the aliens are doing the same thing to him. They're taking his clothes off. And Michael's screaming, 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 and this alien just touched Michael's eyes, and all of a sudden, he felt himself become paralyzed. He couldn't move a muscle. He couldn't even scream for help. He just stood there as these aliens continued to undress him. And once he was naked, they put him on the table. Across the room, but still visible, like the two tables are parallel, he sees his brother Scott also undressed, also on a table. Michael's laying there. One of these aliens takes this straw-like tool that is hanging from the ceiling of this examination room they're in. The alien takes this straw-like tube and presses it against Michael's belly button, causing this searing pain to shoot through his body. And he could smell what he compared to the smell of hot metal. Like if you heated up copper, if you threw a bunch of pennies in a frying pan, that's what this smelled like. And the pain was just unbearable, but right when it hit... Right when he had this psychological reaction, because he can't have a physical reaction to it, the pain subsided. Michael is able to move his eyes. He looks over and he sees his brother on the other table, and he sees that his older brother is sobbing. You just see huge tears roll down Scott's face. He's sobbing. He's inconsolable. And that's when Michael hears his brother. But not vocally. 
Scott has also been paralyzed, apparently, at this point, because he can't say anything, but Michael, in his head, hears Scott say, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, buddy. I'm so sorry. I, I was wrong. I was wrong, and I'm so sorry. I love you. I love you so much, bro. I'm so sorry. Michael telepathically communicates with Scott. I, I'm so scared, bro. I'm so scared. I know, I know. I'm so sorry. We should have went inside. I'm so sorry. At that point, Scott kind of turns. I guess maybe their heads weren't paralyzed because there's a lot of neck turning in this story. But... Scott, they're they're at a certain point now they're looking at each other and Michael's looking at Scott and Scott's looking at Michael as they're talking to each other telepathically. And then Scott kind of looks away from Michael and the whole time they're communicating telepathically, these aliens are still just walking around them doing these procedures. It was very routine for these aliens. There's no rush. They're just doing this process that they've done so many times before. But to Michael and Scott, this is possibly the last moments of their life. They know that. They may not get out of this. Michael is looking over at Scott, and Scott kind of looks away. And at that point, Michael said, I could feel him slip away from me. Like the voice in my head, the presence in my thoughts. I could feel Scott slowly fall away from me, like he was being pulled out of my consciousness. Michael said, I figured he was dying. Like, it wasn't that the, the, he wanted to stop having telepathic communication with me. I felt like his consciousness was slipping out of his own body. And that's why he was slipping out of my mind as well. At that point, Scott screams out loud, vocally screams out loud, like he was being murdered. It was the most horrific, blood-curdling scream, the screams of a young boy whose life is about to end. And Michael's looking over at his older brother, just screaming, dying, in this alien examination room and Michael's looking straight at Scott and an alien just kind of walks casually in between the two of them and continues doing its procedure on Michael. And Michael realizes, I just saw my brother die. Like he's dead now. I have no mental communication with him. That was the worst scream I've ever heard in my life. He's dead. And it's not like the aliens were trying to block the view because they didn't want him to be traumatized. No, it was just like if you were looking at something you felt was important, but someone stood in front of you and then they just started filling out paperwork. And uh, Michael realizes that his brother's dead and he's alone in this situation. The aliens, though, they're still doing their jobs. They touch his eyes again and they're trying to smear this jelly-like substance into his eyes, not just on his eyelids, on his eyeballs, and Michael's fighting it, he's resisting it, he's kind of moving his head around, he's closing his eyes as much as he can, until eventually those cold, frog-like fingers spread his eyeballs open, 
like pull his eyelids open and smear the gel directly into his eyes. At that point, one of the aliens took something. He doesn't know exactly what it was, but he goes, whatever it was, I didn't want it. They took something and they shoved it up his nose and it hurt so bad he passed out. The pain was completely unbearable and finally his body just shut down. The next thing Michael knows, he is laying on the cool grass in that field outside of his house. The night sky is still above him and he's groggily getting up when all of a sudden he hears his mother screaming, Michael! Scott! Scotty! Mike, where are you? Michael looks and he sees, you know, he's laying on the ground He looks and he sees Scott laying in a ditch. A nearby ditch completely motionless. And Mike looks over at him and then yells out, Mom, I'm here! I'm here! The mom sees Michael and as she's running over, she sees Scott just sprawled out in the ditch. And she starts freaking out. She's like, oh my god, what happened? What happened? She runs over and picks up Scott. Runs back to Mike, grabs his hand, and rushes them both inside with panic in her voice and tears streaming down her face. She takes them inside. When they get into the house, Michael at this point realizes Scott's alive. He is still alive. He's still breathing. He still has a heartbeat. He's still uh, very, very unconscious, slowly coming to. His mom is putting a compress on his head, trying to revive him, and she turns to Mike. And she goes, what happened out there? It's three in the morning. Where were you guys? At that point, Michael realizes that hours had passed when the time that they left Grandma's house got to their house, which was not a considerable distance. UFO showed up, and then the next thing he knows, three hours has passed. He goes, Mom, me and Scott were out there, and then all of a sudden... Before Michael could start the story about the UFO, blood began pouring out of his nose. Michael eventually comes to, he regains his strength, and the mom goes, what happened to you two guys? Where were you guys for the past couple hours? I was worried. We were all looking for you. And they tell her, Mom, you won't believe this. We were outside. We were right outside the house in this gold-colored light, UFO, frog feeling, texture, fingers, and all this. They're telling him all this stuff. And the mom doesn't believe him. The mom refuses to hear the story. She's like, you guys are making this up. You guys are making this up. And eventually Scott and Michael are kind of looking at each other. And then they go, okay, uh, the local bully beat us up. I knew it. I knew that guy was nothing but trouble. You guys got to stay away from that guy. I'm going to call his mother tomorrow. Later that night, after mom had gone to sleep, the two brothers had a meeting in the house and they reiterated the story. Like they told the story of what happened to them, right? Their point of view. And they both hashed out the whole story. Like, you know, I was taking a board and I could feel you in my head. Yeah, yeah. And they went through all the details. And then Scott says, we can never talk about this again. Like, we're not going to tell anyone else about this story. That We saw what mom's reaction was to it. And Michael's like, yeah, I'm totally fine. 
as far as we're concerned, this story, we won't tell this story again. Now, they have had that, they have told that story to each other over the years. When Michael posted this, he sent it into Phantoms and Monsters. He goes, this happened 30 years ago, and over the course of that time, me and my brother have, because at a certain point, you'd think you had just made it up, that you were going insane. He goes, we would talk about it from time to time, just to almost remind ourselves that it actually happened. And both of us remember the story like it was yesterday. He did say also that even though they said they don't want to talk about it anymore the next day, they go, okay, one more time. They went over to their uncle's RV to see if they could see any proof that anything was there. Sure enough, there was a square portion of the grass that was pressed down as if something heavy was on top of it. So maybe even just the pressure of the hover technology of this vehicle left that indentation. But he goes, we never really told anyone else the story. Every couple years, we would talk about it. And none of the details have ever changed. A terrifying abduction story. Indeed. Indeed it is. However, the whole time I was reading this story, I kept being dragged back to another story. And these two things may just be a huge coincidence. Or maybe not. It may really make us think about what is the alien presence on Earth, or at least some of them. Because if we went just 13 years back in time, to the year 1970 to 73, and traveled just 30 minutes away in the towns of Houston, Texas, and Pasadena, Texas, there was, who I firmly believe, America's worst serial killer operating in that area. 13 years earlier and 30 minutes away lived a man named Dean Coral. And I honestly debated how much I wanted to go into his crimes because it can totally ruin your day. I remember, because I read a lot of true crime, I remember when I found out reading about this guy, it ruined my day. And as much research as I've done on serial killers and true crime... When people ask me, because the question comes up quite often, what's the worst serial killer? What's the worst crime that you think of? My mind always goes back to Dean Coral. So it's quite horrific. It's very true. And the connections to this case are so bizarre. I think it does deserve to be examined. Dean Coral was a serial killer who operated in the Houston area and Pasadena, Texas, from 1970 to 1973. His family owned the candy company, of course, just to make everything creepier. He had a predilection for killing young boys. But that wasn't all that he did. He would... His This is pretty much what he did. This was what got him off. Um, he would make sure that he had two boys... Once he did it with brothers, which that, I mean, again, like that totally ruined my day. I remember reading this story a long time ago and I was like, I couldn't get the image out of my head. But one time he did it with brothers, but usually he would just do it with friends. He had two teenage associates and he would pay him $200 a boy that they brought to his murder shack. I mean, he did this in a van. He did it. He's crazy. The police say that he killed a minimum of 28 teenage boys. Dean Coral's whole thing was this. He had a board 
you know, just a board, like a giant two by four, but I think it was a bit bigger than that. And he would have two boys. I'm giving you multiple chances to shut this off. I'd give give you multiple chances to be like, nope, I'm good. I'll take Jason's word for it that this somehow ties into this alien story. He takes two boys and he would tie them down to opposite sides of the board, but made it so they could face each other. These young men were uh, naked, strapped to this board where they were then tortured, raped, and murdered while looking at each other. So you knew what was going to happen to you. It wasn't just about the physical torture, it was the psychological torture. And he did this to up to 28 young men. Some of them he killed, just one of them at a time, but he wanted to have both of them. He wanted them to have that psychological terror. At one point he did it to uh, brothers. He had these two brothers brought in where they were strapped to this board, made to look at each other while he tortured, raped, and murdered these two young boys, teenage boys. This is what I'm... When I was reading the story, when the two boys, Michael and Scott, when they're talking telepathically, and the older brother's like, I'm so sorry, I'm so, so sorry. And it's interesting, because I'm reading this story, and a lot of times on first read, because I have to cover so much content, I'll skim stuff. And if it kind of sparks something in me, I'll put it aside where I can do a deeper read later, because my first thing is just collecting a bunch of stuff, then I'll do a secondary read and take my time. When I was reading it the first time and I saw that part about the, I didn't know where the story had taken place. I really wasn't paying a ton of attention. I was just skimming it. When I got to the point with the telepathic brothers, I immediately thought of Dean Coral. I thought, oh, damn it, now I'm thinking of that story again. Because I'm sure that those brothers, the older brother was telling the younger brother when they were being horrifically abused by Dean Coral. I'm sorry, bro. I'm so sorry I got you into this situation. You're like, Jason, thanks for ruining my, <laughs> thanks for ruining my day, but what connection could this possibly have to Dean Coral? Dean Coral operated with two accomplices. Sometimes three. This alien craft lands and outsteps a gray alien that's far taller than 99% of gray aliens. Six, seven feet tall. He takes these two young boys into his craft, undresses them, puts them on these two tables where they can still see each other, and begins to subject them to horrific torture. It could just be a coincidence. It really could. But there... there, Like I said earlier, there are a lot of people who believe that aliens are demons. And while I don't think that all aliens are demons, I think some of them might be. When we look at stories like this, like we have stories of aliens helping people. We have stories of aliens curing diseases. But then we also have to rectify that with stories of aliens torturing humans. Aliens raping humans and impregnating human women and then taking the child. These are acts of war. And so it's interesting because the alien community, you have to rectify both of those things. There may be a galactic brotherhood out there, but these gray aliens 
there's something wrong with them. We did a story recently about gray aliens. I think it was the last episode before the season ended, but maybe not. That gray aliens are actually uh, defective. It's an AI race that was built to explore the galaxy and they've become defective and that's why they're so brutal towards humans. Maybe some of them are demons. We always talk about a demon will possess a human to subvert the organization that person is in, whether it be a church or whether it be their family. Demons can possess humans. Could a demon not possess an alien? We talk about, oh no, when you see that paranormal event, that's actually not a ghost. That's a demon disguised as your grandmother. That's very common in um, Protestant circles, that there are no ghosts. It's just demons disguised as ghosts. Could a demon not disguise itself as an alien? Are aliens demons? I don't believe they all are. I believe that some could be. In the same way I would argue that some humans could become demonically possessed. I find it very, very uh, coincidental, oddly coincidental, that we have a serial killer operating in this area. He's dead now. He's actually killed by one of his accomplices because his accomplice brought a girl over to the house and Dean Coral's like, you ruined everything! There's a girl over here! So then he had planned on murdering and killing all these people and his assistant, who had already been helping him kill a bunch of teenagers, shot Dean Coral. He just shot him in the head and then shot him a couple more times and he bled out. And they called the cops and said, you gotta come down here, man! There's a dead serial killer! We were all part of it! Um... We'll show you where to find the bones. But I'm just, I mean, like, it's so terrifying. Like, what if the spirit of Dean Coral lives on and is in this alien form? You know, what's funny is even though we come across aliens that sexually assault women and men, they, they'll, they'll milk their semen. Even though we come across those stories, this story in particular was very, very sadistic. Because, again, he kept saying we were paralyzed, but then the two boys could talk to each other. They could, like, actually turn their heads and see each other. The The only way that would work, I think, is if the alien made it so they could be paralyzed, except just enough to see your older brother sob uncontrollably as he realizes he has gotten himself and his younger brother into this horrific situation. This one's particularly bad as far as that goes. A lot of pain believing you're watching your brother die. And then just 30 minutes away and 13 years earlier, brothers were forced to do this same thing. Horrific pain. I mean, he would keep it going on for days. Dean Coral was not an instant killer. It was a prolonged event. I know, I know. <laughs> I'm sorry to ruin your day. I think he's one of the worst serial killers, if not the worst. There's not a ton of movies about him. People don't like talking about Dean Coral. I think the biggest movie they ever made about him was the, what was it called? Like the Candyman and the Clown. It's this possible connection. I'm sure it's true that he and John Wayne Gacy up in Chicago were connected by a network of powerful elite pedophiles. That's funny how that keeps popping up, keeps popping up, right? People tell us it's not real, but it's funny. Uh, there always just seems to be proof that there's a bunch of rich people who love doing horrible stuff. Is this alien a manifestation of Dean Coral? Is that too far-fetched? Is it possible that Dean Coral's own sickness was a manifestation of this darker evil that exists in the area? It's almost like a Pennywise type thing. It takes different forms. It was in Dean Coral for a moment in time, but then when he died, it continued on.
but in just this way. I mean, like, is the area itself charged in such a dark, negative way that you're going to keep having stuff like this? And, or is it just a coincidence, right? Did I just happen to find a horrific alien story that took place near some of the most horrific killings in American history? Possibly. Or is there a connection? Is the connection between the human, the demon, and the alien much closer than we think? Because we can sit and laugh about the Collins elite. Like, I personally don't think that the majority of aliens are demon. I think the Collins elite, when they have that mentality, I think they're trying to take... This has been a problem for centuries, too. Modern technology, modern theory, science, and make it match their religious views. And I think you can easily just go out. It's demons. It's demons all the way down. We can laugh at that, but there's, I, there, I, I'll put my cards on the table. I think there is a connection. I do think there's a connection between this alien abduction and Dean Coral's abductions. I just think there's way too many similarities. It's not what Lon Strickler said. It's not what Michael said. When they were writing these narratives. That's what I'm saying. I think there is a connection. And if there is a connection. If I'm right on this. Then. The Collins elite may be wrong. All aliens may not be demons. But we may have to sit and think that aliens. Man. They do some crazy good stuff. But they do an awful lot of bad stuff. An awful lot of abductions. And some of it becomes sadistic. This story specifically sounds sadistic. So even though not all aliens may be evil, some of them probably are a truly frightening thought to think that this advanced technology could be in the hands of beings who take perverse pleasure. In hurting our fellow humans. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.